Hi, this is Comeback, this is Connor. My guest today is Joey Landrip. Joey is half of the Bros Landrip and he's also got his solo career going on. I first saw Joey in the Sheffield pub, The Greystones, back in January 2017. So it's excellent to have a catch-up conversation all these years later. We're going to discuss his career in music from an early age up until now and his varied influences. It's a great conversation and I look forward to sharing. Joey, how are you? Connor, thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure, man. And just as an overview, can you tell me a bit about your background in music? When did this all begin? Uh, by this, do you mean music in general or my, my sort of career as it stands now? Uh, I would say music in general. When were you first interested? Uh, pretty much immediately. I was always re- like born, born humming a tune, I think you could kind of say. My, um, my parents are both very musical people um and my dad was actually a a working musician when i was growing up i mean he still is but uh he, he it's not his only gig anymore but um so it was just music was everywhere you know my dad being a professional aside um there was so much music in our house when we were growing up and um uh yeah so it was just it was everywhere it's kind of the family it's kind of the family business in a way but it's also just something that was a great unifier in our house is listening to different records. And, and I think my love for music, I think was actually probably mostly sort of born and curated out of watching my parents love music. And, um, yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's, that's really where, where the, the spark kind of, uh, started. Yeah, where it developed. And were there any influences in the public eye that really helped you on your journey? Anyone that you looked up to growing up? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, there was because my dad was a was a, a professional musician when we were kids. All of his friends were people that he was working with, artists he was backing up, uh, bandmates that he was playing with. And, and my dad was also a singer song. Well, is also a singer songwriter. So he had his own kind of stuff. So immediately, you know, my heroes were all local, uh, local folks from around here in Winnipeg. And then, uh, but my, my, my real first hero was, was Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, like big time sort of artist was Stevie Ray. And, uh, that was kind of the first time I heard something that grabbed me and I couldn't, it, it, it wouldn't let me go. You know, uh, I, I eventually, you know, bought every single Stevie Ray Vaughan record I could find. I bought uh, every recording that he was on that I could find. Like, you know, when he played on other people's records, his brother, Jimmy Vaughan, I got everything that he was into. And then I heard that Stevie Ray was really influenced by Albert King. So then I went out and bought a bunch of Albert King records and, and Hendrix. And so I listened to a lot of Hendrix. So I was just absolutely obsessed with Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I think that's kind of where I learned I cut my teeth kind of as a as a um, a musician in training, because I really learned how to listen and how to how to learn music by ear from learning his records and trying to learn his solos and trying to learn his tricks and um, and then that eventually just sort of flowed into other areas when I started to listen to other guitar players and then eventually other musicians and songwriters and and sort of that work ethic was really born um trying to trying to imitate him 
and uh, it was a gr- it was a very valuable lesson. Mm, I see. And throughout, say, perhaps college and those type of years, when were you thinking of really being serious about your music and pursuing it professionally? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was always really, really interested in doing it professionally. Um, uh, I think I was in the 10th grade uh, and I was writing an essay for an English class and <laughs> ranting about how I how useless I thought math uh, or algebra was because my reasoning for it was, well, I can't. Well, now, of course, I'm, I'm misquoting myself, but uh, the the gist of it was that I was outraged that I had to learn algebra when I all I wanted to do was play guitar in blues bars. So what am I going to use or the trigonometry for, you know, if I'm just playing guitar in bars? And that was kind of, you know, it, it was all it was all that was on my mind. And so um, I did for a moment want to go to music school. And uh, sort of after high school was finished, I wanted to go and study music uh, post-secondary. And I, um, I ended up getting a gig touring with a band. And that was kind of it. As soon as I said yes to that, I was, I was off to the races and, and I never looked back. I mean, I, you know, I still would enjoy the, I, I enjoy, enjoy the idea of going to music school. But, I, you know, it's, it's not going to happen now. <laughs> I'm too old. Right, I see, yeah. And can you tell me a bit about how the Brosland started, yourself and Dave, and Let It Lie? Can you tell me the whole process behind that, where it began and how that developed? Yeah, so um, that band was kind of born out of a need to, uh, well, not a need, but a want to spend more time together as brothers. My brother and I um, were always quite close growing up, and, and... when we sort of hit adult age and I, and I was out on the road playing in bands and he was out on the road playing in bands, we didn't see each other hardly at all. And, um, I kind of wanted to make some kind of, some kind of excuse for us to hang out together when we were both off the road. And so we started writing songs together to kind of, to put together a little acoustic duo that we could kind of just go travel around, you know, our province. And, you know, there's a lot of little music festivals that happen in Manitoba. And so, we thought, okay, well, yeah, let's put together something for that. And as soon as we started writing songs, I think both of us were kind of taken aback at how much we enjoyed the process of making music like that, but then also doing it together. And I think it was within within six months or at most a year that I had, that I had quit all my my gigs and my brother had quit all his gigs, and we were we sort of had effectively put all of our eggs in one basket. And that's pretty much where we, you know, that was 20, 2010 is when we kind of started writing at first. And from, from that point on until quitting our bands and then putting together a record, we, we had a record ready to go out into the world at the end of 2012. And, uh, and we've been doing this pretty much since then. So now it's over, it's over 10 years now. Yeah, I see. And how was your reaction to the reaction? I mean, uh, 400 tour dates a Juno how did you how did you find the reaction and the positive nature of the acclaim you received well at first it wasn't necessarily positive <laughs> um, and it wasn't it wasn't that people didn't like what we were doing but I think in the early days people didn't really understand it and you know we were we were totally self-made so we were booking our own tours we were managing ourselves we were doing all of that stuff and 
in those early days, sometimes you'd find yourself in a venue run by someone who totally got what we were doing. And then other times you'd find yourself in just some dingy rock venue venue where they didn't care. And, you know, in, in, uh, in examples like the latter, we would find ourselves playing in rooms and people would go, you know, play something upbeat, play, play superstition, you know, and we, 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 we kind of had all that, um, to sort of grow through and learn from. And, um, but by the, by the time I think, about 2014 we you know so two two kind of tough years of touring and and grinding it out um but by 2014 we had really picked up some steam we had a record deal offer um which we then accepted and signed and that took us on a pretty cool journey um i don't know you know the the thing with the band was that we never we really didn't ever have expectations on what it was going to do we we really only wanted to make music together and in my mind, you know, before I really knew what we were, what what sound we even made, I always kind of thought, okay, well, I'll do this with my brother for fun, and then I'll do these kind of higher profile artist gigs to pay the rent. And that that kind of mentality, although I stopped doing the higher profile artist gigs, but that mentality kind of carried on in the sense that this band is about making music that we love and making it with people that we love. Um, and so, you know, as as the band was received really well, it was just icing on the cake for an already pretty sweet cake. You know, we, we were making the music that we wanted to with each other, spending lots of time together, having lots of fun and adventures. And then, you know, add to it that that folks were enjoying what we were up to was was just a bonus, to be honest. And it, and it still is. And I think that's part of the reason why. Um, we're still kind of out there doing it and it hasn't, it certainly has not always been easy, but, um, you know, we come at it from that, from that place of just being grateful that we get to, we get to do something that we love to do. Gratitude, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some of the tricky parts? Cause I can only imagine working with your brother in such close proximity and at that level, what are some of the challenges in that regard of being so intertwined with a sibling? You know what? My brother and I are pretty good at it. We, um, uh, you know, we we certainly aren't without our our little squabbles, and and we do we do tend to bicker. Um, but at the end of the day, like the the things that are hard about what we do are actually not really anything to do with each other. Um, it's certainly not like a like oasis kind of thing. We we both my brother and I deeply love and respect one another, and so that definitely helps um but the, you know the the tricky things are kind of the obvious stuff you know being away from home um the schedule is really tough you know you spend a lot of time staying up late and a lot of time getting up really early and you know in the case of being a canadian band when you're touring in canada you know like in winnipeg the the our closest market that we play in to winnipeg is eight and a half hours north west in a, in saskatoon and you know the next the next nearest town east that we play is toronto which is 24 hours east so it's like you spend a lot of time in the car a lot of time driving a lot of time getting up early and spending a whole lot of time on your ass <laughs> covering um covering some roads so those are kind of the things that are tough but it's also you you do you do in a way learn to love all that stuff um you know i mean what we're learning now in our older age I mean, the ripe old age of 34, of course, um, 
is that balance is really important. So, you know, we work really hard when we go on tour and then we take, we make sure that we take enough time off to recharge the batteries. Both my brother and I have young families and um, I have an eight month old daughter and he's, he's got a almost two year old son. And so making sure that we have more time at home than away nowadays is, is a, is a very important thing for us. Yeah, for sure. And I believe during that period, and correct me if I'm wrong, did you spend some time during Bill? We did, yeah. Yeah, yep. and what was the experience like there? Because I can imagine that was quite eye-opening. Uh, yes and no. I mean, the reality the reality with, with Nashville is it's it's just like any other music town. I think it gets, I mean, it's a, it's a great music town, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, you can't throw a rock without hitting a world-class guitar player, for example. Um, but you know it, it it it's a it's an industry town so there's a lot of publicity there's a lot of labels there's a lot of um there's a lot of meetings and yakety yak to be done um and uh because both dave and i had worked with artists that were you know i'd worked with some higher profile acts like i mentioned so you know sitting in a boardroom with record execs was not um was not new for me at that point. It was new that I was talking about myself instead of, you know, sitting there waiting to play with the artist that I was playing for, showcasing for some, you know, record CEO or whatever. But um, it wasn't an altogether new experience, uh, and so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily shocking. Um, but it was really exciting to be doing those things for myself and for my own music, um, and. Uh, that time was was really was really quite fun because we teamed up with a record label who really understood what we were doing um and uh what we didn't realize in hindsight was that they were the last record label that was going to be really interested in what we were doing and uh so uh now uh we actually represent ourselves we have our own little label called birthday cake and um we uh, uh we represent ourselves and a handful of our friends um, and release our own music and their music as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what have you learned from being around great guitar players and great musicians in general? What are the key tips that you pick up from other people you have around you when you have jams or creative sessions, etc.? Well, that's a that's a fun question. Um, yeah. What kind of tips? I think you know when you, when you're when you find yourself surrounded by musicians who are better than yourself or more experienced than yourself, the the thing that always um, that always kind of blows me away is how much uh, how much people listen and how much they catch. So if you're in a jam session situation with somebody who's really great, they're listening for everything, and that's something that I really try to bring into my my playing as as much as I can is um, what are my bandmates doing? What are they playing? How are they playing it? Um, and how can I participate in what they're doing creatively? How can I enhance what they're doing? Or how can what they're doing enhance what I'm doing? And um, I think for me, the a really important perspective with music, and I, I love this as an analogy and metaphor, and, and I actually think that, I don't know, maybe there's, maybe there's room for it to be considered literally, but music, music for me is, is, is a language, and if, you're, if you open your ears and you pay attention, you can communicate with people in a very, in a very tangible way. Um, 
and it's not necessarily, you know, hi, how are you? But it is, but it is very, very clear and concise messages musically, of course. Um, and so, I don't know. Yeah, the 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 great people that I've been able to part, participate in music with, that's the thing that I always I always notice when I'm when I'm on stage with somebody who's better than me is, uh, it's not maybe not necessarily that your skill on your instrument is even that far beyond what I'm capable of. It's what you're capable of receiving and how how you take what you hear and turn it around and do something with it. That's always that's always what I find the most remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds great. And I saw you in 2017 in Sheffield when you were on your solo tour, I believe. Can you tell yep. me more about your solo project, how it came about and your experiences there? Oh, yeah. And that was that was an incredibly um, eye opening time for me. We decided to take a break from the road. My my brother. Well, to be honest, both of us, both he and I kind of burnt out on the road. And um, he he really needed to take some time to work on himself and his mental health and, um, you know, and, and, and his marriage and, and really just invest some time at home. And so we decided to take some time off of the road. And of course, what did I do is I created a solo project that just put me on the road <laughs> for another two and a half years. Um, but um, uh, and really, as a as a as a guy who's always played in bands, going out on the road by myself and playing shows by myself was a very very incredible experience. And um, you know, I took it took me probably six months of playing three four shows a week, five shows a week to really feel comfortable up on a stage by myself. Um, but you know, I learned a lot of really valuable skills um, how to how to keep a show going with only one musician on stage, how to like what's important when it's just you and a guitar, you know, especially because as a guitar player, you know, I'm 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 known as a guitar player in a lot of circles like that's, you know, I, I play a lot of guitar solos and, you know, that's a part of that's a part of who I am as a musician for sure. But when you get up in, in that sort of solo guitar environment, it's it's a completely different game and you can't just stand there and wheedly 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 you have you have to keep the groove going you have to keep the chord progression going the harmony going um and you have to keep the audience engaged and when there's only one of you it's a hard it's a hard thing to do and you know i tried a lot of things i experimented with a lot of things um you know how do i keep the crowd engaged you know do i tell some jokes can i work jokes into my show um, you, you know, things like that. It was, it was a really beautiful experience. And, uh, to this day, I, I, I really love playing solo shows. I don't do it hardly ever anymore. Of course, with the pandemic, I don't do it at all, but, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Sheffield 2017 at the Greystones, uh, is where yes. that would have been. Yes, it was. Yeah. I remember it. My, my friend actually, uh, I think he broke up with his girlfriend and at the last minute he needed someone to drop in. So I thought, yeah, let me pop in and see. And <laughs> it was well, luck, lucky me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I'll send you the photo we got at, uh, at the end of this, actually. I, I look so dreadful. I had a beard which was overgrown and I was on like a student clothing. So, yeah, it didn't look great. But <laughs> I, I will show um, you. Yes, please do. I would love to see it. For sure. And how did you feel then the first time you stepped on stage solo? Was there a bit of, oh, fuck, what have I got myself into? Or what was going through your mind? Oh, man, absolutely. And like I had, I've done like 
solo songs before, like get up and, and you know, in, in Canada at Music Fest, we do these things called workshops. So like you play your big set in the evening, but during the day you'd play these mini stages where they would they would team up like three or four or five other artists in kind of a mini concert and then you'd go and oftentimes I would wind up just sitting there, me and a guitar and, and playing tunes. Um, so it wasn't like my first time playing songs alone, but it was my first time trying to navigate a show. And anyway, I, I, before my first solo tour, because I, I, my very first run, I went on tour with a friend of mine named Donovan Woods, and I, I went out supporting him. Hard on it. When it came time to actually get up on stage and play, I was terrified because, of course, it felt nothing like my living room. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely good for... Um, it's good for you as a as a creative person to change your environment, force yourself to kind of interact in a different way. It's uh, it's the word I'm looking for. It, it inspires growth, certainly. Yeah, for sure. And can you tell me then about your songwriting process? What sort of themes do you try and incorporate, and where does that come from? That place of songwriting. Yeah, um, you know, I I really often just kind of write my own sort of to tell my own stories um so if i'm if i'm writing about something um yeah it's generally something rooted in my own history in a way um either literally or sometimes not literally but sort of figuratively um and as a writer i mean i don't really consider myself um a super prolific writer by any stretch and i mean you know it's it's going on going on 10 years of songwriting and making records and stuff so now i have a pretty vast catalog but it's just only because of time and i guess if i was prolific i'd have a hell of a lot more songs but i i generally start with a musical idea um and because i'm a, i'm an instrumentalist first that's sort of my trained you know if you can call it that my sort of trained vocation is as a as an instrumentalist so music is something that i'm um, a little more um, fluent in than the writing of lyrics. So a lot of times I'll I'll sketch out the majority of a song musically before I start really penning any lyrics. Or or what often is the case is I'll come to the table with a musical idea and a handful of lyrics, and I will try to I'll try to sort of keep the keep the music in the same sort of vein emotionally as the lyrics, and then finish the lyrics after. That's that's kind of most often is my process. Um, it's certainly not out of, um, or it's, it's not, uh, exclusively like that. And I, I have, I have written entire songs lyrically first and then, you know, sort of do that whole process backwards, but it's, uh, it's not as common. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of vulnerability, how, how do you think, I suppose what I'm trying to say is how important for you is it to share that particular emotion through your songwriting is it quite cathartic for you to be vulnerable or both upbeat in your songs if that makes sense yeah i mean absolutely i think it's to be honest i and it, it, it does depend on the kind of music you make like not everything not everything needs to be super heavy um but for the for the kind of music that, that i make uh vulnerability is is absolutely integral i mean i think um and and the way that i like to play the guitar as well. It's really, really important for me to be coming from an honest emotional place. 
Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, because for me, and, and, and I think that's just cause that's how I liked, I like to consume music because I'm, I'm not necessarily really prone to wanting to listen to, um, you know, a lot of upbeat pop kind of party stuff. That's just not really in, and it's not that I don't have, I don't find that that has value. It's just that that's not something that I connect with. I really connect with, with the more sort of emotionally driven, um, art. And for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm a really happy guy. I, you know, I have a lot of, um, I don't know, up-tempo hobbies. I love to ride my bike. I like to run. I, I go to a boxing gym. I have, I, I get a lot of that kind of, um, a lot of that kind of stimulation from other places in my life. But when it comes to music, music is something that I come to to help me, help me get to that emotional place. And, and in certain cases, certainly help me process my own emotions. But a lot of the times just kind of helps tee up that, that important, um, that important bodily functions, which is feeling your feelings and, and, and music is, um, music is really helpful for me in that way. And I love to see other people's humanity shine through. I like to I like to hear songs about tough stuff. I like to hear people working on themselves in the stories that they write or writing about people who are working on themselves. Um, I, I'm really moved by that stuff. And I think maybe that's just a part of my own my own story kind of sneaking through. But I think I think good art um, can act as a mirror uh, when when there's something that's um, when there's something to me that I consider to be really good art, it's when I can see myself or I can see my own humanity in um, what's been created, what's been put in front of me. Yeah, for sure. And the theme of the show, Comeback, is sometimes about coming back from challenges. If you don't mind me asking you, what are some of the main challenges you faced on your musical journey and career to date and how have you managed to navigate them? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't mind talking about that. I mean, well, number one, uh, and I think this is, this is a big, big one for me is I'm, I'm a, I'm a recovered alcoholic or I'm in recovery rather. So I'll be, um, sober eight years, uh, at the beginning of next year. And so alcohol abuse and, and, um, yeah, that, that, that's a big part of my story. And I struggled, I struggled with alcohol abuse for quite a long time before I, sort of started working, working out how to, um, how to wrangle that beast. And, um, you know, and I think what goes hand in hand with substance abuse issues is, is, is mental health. Um, you know, the a person's mental health is, a, is to me, is it just goes, it's, it, it is almost synonymous with, with, or certainly, um, people who struggle with substance abuse. I, you, you rarely find an addict who is not also struggling with, uh, pardon me, with their mental health. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've worked pretty hard on that and I've put a lot of time in um, with, a, with a therapist, with a psychologist. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've invested a lot of um, time and energy into processing those things. And I mean, when you do what I do for a living, um, there's, there's a, there's a, often is a struggle for balance. Um, and I think, um, a lot of people who gravitate toward art as a form of expression often do that because they have a hard time expressing themselves emotionally otherwise. 
And I feel like a lot of times people who struggle with expressing themselves emotionally, there's there's oftentimes some trauma there. And I'm certainly I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not I'm not um, qualified to make any kind of grand sweeping generalizations about that kind of thing. But in my experience, um, a lot of artists will hide will hide their traumas and their struggles um, in their art. And uh, and I'm very much one of those people or I, I have been one of those people. And it's very it's very much a work in progress for me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's about as <laughs> it's about as open as I think I could get. Um, it's uh, uh, it's just something that requires energy. And I think you can you can pour too much into especially in music. We see it. I see it all the time. And people people who pour so much into their careers musically and, and they neglect themselves. Um, and I think that's something that happens a lot of times is people people oftentimes identify themselves with their art and their craft and a lot of a lot of musicians definitely do um where you go i'm a guitar player that's who i am and what i've discovered in my life is like no no no. being a guitar player is something that i do but i'm i'm lots of things i am my wife's husband i'm my i'm the child of my parents i'm my daughter's father um i'm a friend uh you know, I'm a, although I'm not very active right now, at, at times in my life, I'm an athlete, you know, um, and it, I think I think we forget a lot of those things. And, and we tell ourselves, no, I'm only an artist and I have to do this all the time. And, uh, you know, I think um, to make a very uh, long story short, balance, balance is really, really important. It's hard to achieve and it's hard to keep your eye on it. And I think for me, when things go out of balance, that's that's when I struggle the most, and so that's something that I've worked on, and that certainly that certainly um, stems back to my alcoholism, and and you know at at times being a total workaholic is is often a very similar function of those kind of things as well, and and um, at at the risk of continuing talking about this over and over and over, but you know um, hiding hiding behind booze or hiding behind work or hiding behind drugs or hiding behind gambling or sex or whatever these are all just functions of people um not wanting to open scary doors and uh certainly was the truth that that is very true for me yeah absolutely and how do you like to keep balance as in say for example once you finish touring how long will you take off then? How much time do you think you generally need to recharge and do other things? For example, uh, sports, boxing, running, etc., or spending time with loved ones. How much time do you need to recharge? Um, it, you know, it depends, and it also depends on how much time I'm going to be away. So if it's going to be a really busy year, then I try to I try to make sure you know there there were years when we were on the road 250 days um of you know of a 365 day year so we were gone more than we were home and um the main goal now is to make sure that i'm home more than i'm gone so if i'm on the road for three weeks i want to be home for at least three weeks um and then the other thing that we do is we don't go out for any longer than that um i found that three weeks is you know 21 days is a good amount of time on the road. It feels like you're out there accomplishing things. Any longer than that starts to feel a little crazy, you know. And at one point, I did um, 
I did seven weeks on the road two years ago. And that wasn't even the longest stretch that I've ever done. I've done much longer stretches than that. But in sort of recent history, I did seven weeks and I thought, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing this ever again. I don't I don't enjoy it. Um, and it, it for me, I love traveling and I love living out of a suitcase and I love the adventure of it all. But eventually the, the lines start to blur um, for me where home is and, and making sure that I have a good idea of where home is is really important and it is it is integral in my mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose let's switch back to the music side. This might be tricky because obviously we're talking about the Bros Lendreth and your solo stuff. Are there any particular yep. songs that you're really proud of? Any ones that you look at and think, wow, yeah, this really represents who I want to be as an artist or as a person. Are there any songs that stand out for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, all the, all the songs on our new record I'm really proud of, which of course is not available for consumption yet. Um, and I think for me, like I can I can look back in the catalog and tell you songs that I mean, my most recent record, which I, actually the whole thing comes out this Friday, is called All That You Dream. Um, it's a it's a tribute to one of my heroes. So it's a it's a seven song record uh, of cover tunes, and I'm really proud of that. And I feel like it it really um, it really captures a moment in time of where I was at musically. Um, but the thing with music for me is that. That's that's kind of what rec what recording is. I mean, I love recording as an art form. It's it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But it only really does a good job of showing people where you were at right then. So when I listen to my first record, Let It Lie, um, I can hear a twenty four year old kid who was just figuring out who he was, um, who didn't know how to set boundaries and didn't know. Uh, when to stop drinking and when to go to bed. You know, when I listen to that record, my voice sounds tired and I was drinking and smoking and partying. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that record and I'm very proud of that record, but it doesn't really have anything to do with who I am now. So it's kind of hard for me to really connect with any of the older music. But um, with that said, you know, there's a song called Master Plan, which my brother wrote for his wife off of our last record, um, 87, which I think is a really beautiful piece of music. Another song on that record is called Salvation Bound. I'm really proud of that. Um, one of the songs off of, um, oh, I mean, a lot of the my record Hindsight, my solo record Hindsight, I'm really, really proud of. Um, there's a song I wrote about my sobriety called Whiskey which I'm really proud of, which is the title track of my first solo record. And yeah, so I mean, I'm certainly proud of all of all of the music, but those tunes really, I really connect with. Another one they call Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I am really, I really love how that song turned out. Though I guess I can name a few. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. And I suppose what I'm trying to ask here is, obviously your style of music is targeted at a certain audience. And we've mentioned that it's perhaps not the, party stuff that you would hear <clears throat> excuse me on say pop radio or to switch over to a slightly more mainstream sound or are you quite happy with what you're doing and where it's coming from you know to be honest connor i like i couldn't i couldn't do it even if i uh even if i was capable you know if i could sit down and write a smash hit i'd just as soon let a big star record it than try to do it myself and the and the the reason for that is that 
as much as I would, you know, I would I would love to make a little bit more money. And uh, I don't I've never cared about the fame aspect of it. Not that I'm famous by any stretch, but I mean, in certain circles, one may argue that I'm I'm well known. I that's my least favorite part of the whole thing. And the only the only reason that I might entertain that is to make a few extra bucks. But um, to me, like going out and playing the music that I have, like the, playing the music that I've written from my heart and telling my stories is really important. And so um, and it's not, and again, like I said before, it's not it's not that I don't have respect for pop songwriting or pop music as an art form. It's just not my medium. So if I was capable of writing a pop song, I would, you know, I'd love to write a great tune and get it in the hands of like Rihanna or Katy Perry or whoever the the most recent famous person is. But, uh, you know, try as I might, that's not me. Right, I see. And I guess what that's le- leading me on to is in music, obviously, it can be quite subjective. And so is the term success for you what is success what does that represent is it control of your music is it the feeling you get from playing is it money what is success for you in music oh that's a wicked question um yeah that's funny because i think a lot of times people will say oh i love your music i really wish you were more successful and i'll go man i'm way more successful than i ever thought i was ever gonna be um (laughs) And uh, so success for me, I think, is just being able to uh, being able to make a living doing uh, something that you you honestly that not even that you love, but that you don't hate. Um, Because there are times like I love I love my job all the time, but I don't always like it. And I still think that that's a mark of success, that I get to do something that at the end of the day, I never hate what I do. Even even the worst show with the worst crowd, I never hate it. And I think that that's a mark of success. But, you know, for for like something tangible, something that was really massive for me was my wife and I bought a house this year. And I never really imagined that I was I would ever be able to own a home um, on a musician's salary. And uh, I mean, Winnipeg is absolutely cheap as borscht to live so um it's not necessarily a a mark of uh absolute wealth by any stretch but yeah that's important to me um to be able to pay my bills and have a nice safe place to live safe warm and food on the table that's those those are those are the really really important things um and i'm and i mean of course certainly doesn't hurt to have people at shows so um, and I think like if I can pinpoint a moment when I really felt like, okay, we've done something really cool here, um, was, uh, one of my first solo shows, my first solo show at home, the crowd sang the chorus for one of our songs, but the coolest moment, even though that was really, really cool, the whole crowd sang along, but because I was playing a solo show, I couldn't play the guitar solo. The thing that really blew me away was the bunch of people in the audience sang the guitar solo from the song. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. We've, we've done some good work here. Yeah, big time, man. And I guess the final question I have for you, Joey, is what's next? You mentioned there's a record coming out, I believe. What would you like to achieve in the near future? Uh, you know what, I just like to, I just like to keep working hard. Um, We've got a new record coming out uh, early next year, 
and um, you know we we are going to do a bunch of tra- a bunch of traveling in support of that record and i'm just i'm really looking forward to getting out on on, on the road um and uh and and yeah seeing seeing how much work we can put into this new record i'm really really proud of it i i really feel like it's a um it's a, it's an example of our growth um over the last handful of years and i i'm really excited for people to hear it um if I if I had any hopes for it, it's just that more more people can hear it and hopefully hopefully they like it. Um, but yeah, just just keep them working hard. That's kind of the main thing. Excellent. That's a great message to end on, Joey. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks very much, mate, and all the very best with your future endeavors. My pleasure, Connor. Thanks for making time.